Greetings, everyone. This is Keith Billick here to welcome you to another episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. The last one of 2019. I hope everyone has had a great holiday season. Get some time to spend, you know, some some relaxing days with your loved ones or your friends or at least just your banjo. Hopefully you've had some banjo bonding time involved. And as far as 2019 goes, looking back at it, say what you want about uh, anything else that happened this year, but at least in terms of the podcast, it's been going really well. I've gotten to interview a lot of really amazing players, some of my personal favorites, and all of you listeners have really been a really great part of it too, not only for the positive feedback I get, but uh, also for supporting the podcast. Uh, The main way to support it and keep the show going is to visit the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And if in case you missed it, the, the newest addition to that is super cool. There's a guy out there named Eli Gilbert, who I have partnered up with. And Eli is one of these dudes who just has a knack for dissecting a banjo player's style or listening to recordings and transcribing it and really getting into cool ideas and and figuring things out note for note. And what he is offering for the uh, $4 per month level on Patreon for any of these episodes that I do where I interview a player, that's almost all of them, he's going to create a custom video lesson with tablature for those uh, Patreon supporters. So, in other words, he, he just finished his first one that was based on the Matthew Davis episodes where he's giving you a video and tablature tips of some of the playing advice that Matt actually gives on the podcast. So it, it's kind of a custom partnership where he listens to the podcast interview and then creates a lesson for those Patreon supporters based on that. So it's super cool, and it's only 4 bucks a month, and you're basically getting free lessons out of it and knowing that you are supporting this podcast. And so I think it's, it's a win-win situation all the way around. Uh, so check that out, patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And I wanted to make sure to mention that if any of you out there are Patreon supporters at $4 a month or higher, you should have received a link from me uh, regarding the the Eli Gilbert video and the tab sheet. I just want to make sure that that's working. I haven't, uh, a lot of you have given me feedback that you enjoyed the video and stuff like that, but I haven't heard from anybody who is saying that they didn't get it and they were supposed to. So it seems like it's working okay, but it's the first time I've tried to do that stuff on Patreon. So if for some reason you have not received your link to the Eli Gilbert video, please, please uh, let me know about that and I will make sure to get that fixed. But as far as I can tell, that's all working smooth, which is uh, great news, of course. The other things you can do to stay connected with me and with the podcast is to follow me on social media. Track me down. I am Picky Fingers on Facebook. If you're on Instagram, make sure to follow Picky underscore Fingers. That's me in the podcast. And then if you're on Twitter... I'm just at Banjo Podcast. 
So I'm always putting information about the episodes out there and, and announcements when each episode hits. So that's a good way to uh, make sure you don't miss out on any of that. And of course, as always, you can email the show. Uh, that would be pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. I get all sorts of emails from you, and I I love it all. Everything from banjo advice that you're at, that you're asking about specific banjos, uh, suggestions for guests on the episodes. I I really dig hearing about that. And then just of course uh, your random everyday comments and and feedback. And like I said, I love it all. Keep it coming. Picky fingers banjo podcast at gmail dot com. Today's episode is a little bit of a new idea. I've had different playing advice episodes, of course, in the past, but this is the first one where I will, I've set it up as me taking a lesson and the teacher in this case is somebody who, if you have been a regular listener to the podcast, you already know him. It's Davy Jones and he was in episode number one. So, uh, yeah, longtime friend of mine and one of my best uh, banjo playing pals up here in uh, in Michigan. He wanted to. I, I we I pitched the idea of of him teaching a, a lesson for the podcast. He thought it would be really cool to go through how to construct a chord melody arrangement, and I thought that was a really cool idea, especially because as you'll hear him uh, observe. A few of my recent guests have talked about doing chord melody arrangements, but in the normal interviews, we don't really get a chance to to drill down as far as how to do that. So that's what Davey's going to do. It's, uh, it's definitely not a beginner lesson. You are going to want to make sure that you know like your chord inversions up and down the neck. Um, from there... You, you probably just want to follow the tab sheet to get you started. So there is a tab sheet that accompanies this, and you can download that by going to libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, slash banjo podcast. And the listing under this episode, there will be a button with big capital letters that says tab sheet. And if you click the download button by there, that should get you what you need. But if for some reason you're unable to access that, uh, again, just give me an email, pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com, and I will send that right off to you. So yeah, I'd, I'd say this is a an intermediate lesson, although he definitely leaves open a lot of possibilities so that even if you're a an advanced player, there will be endless ways to take advantage of this information. So should be good, useful stuff. Uh, the tune that he has prepared for you is an old American classic, Home on the Range. Any of us in the States are probably familiar with this tune. I'm not sure how far it has spread outside the States, but, um, you know, we, we, we tried to pick one that was going to be uh, familiar to most of you, and I think this uh, fits that bit. So next episode, I'll be back to normal stuff, interviews with more fantastic players. I have some really cool ones coming up for you. But uh, for now, a really cool change of pace, learning uh, learning these chord melodies from Davy Jones. So pull that tab sheet up and take a listen to Davy. He's going to start 
off by uh, just playing through his arrangement of Home on the Range, and then we'll get into the actual lesson. So yeah, pull up that tab sheet, follow along, and enjoy. And this is where I quit babbling and get on with the episode. Here you go. So I'm here with Davy Jones, as you, of course, know him from from episode one, his groundbreaking episode one, and we historical episode one. <laughs> and uh, we, we thought it'd be a great idea, or at least a novel idea, to have another one of these lesson-oriented instructional episodes, but have it be set up as an actual lesson. So I come to Davy here as a student today to learn about some incredible topic that he has prepared for me. And uh, hey, Davey, how's it going? Hey, good to see you again. Good to see you too. It's, the thought of me teaching you anything is very funny to me. <laughs> I hope to demonstrate how not funny it, it <laughs> should really be. What, uh, what topic should we get into today? Um, so I've been, I've been thinking a lot recently about um, chord melody arrangements. And, and you've done some episodes with, you did an episode with uh, Matthew Davis, who talked a little bit about this, and I think Mike Sumner talked about it too. I think you're right. Both, yeah. of, both of whom, you know, are incredible banjo players and you know have incredible ideas. So I thought maybe we'd do something, you know, relatively digestible for listeners to get into and um, see if we can kind of shed some light on how this this whole thing works. Yeah, that's a great idea because they both did mention that, although I don't think we went into much depth in terms of yeah if there are people who don't know what they mean by chord melody or how you might yeah and it's do it's, that, it's and maybe not the most common thing that you see on on banjo um and you know with with banjo players sort of historically um it's probably something that you that we see a little bit more currently you know with more con- contemporary players but you know you're not going to hear this if you're listening to mostly bluegrass or earl scruggs you might hear some of it. I feel like maybe Alan Shelton, someone like that, started doing a lot of chord melody stuff early on. Okay. Um, 
So what is it and how do we know if we've heard it or what it sounds like? So the basic idea is that we're going to take a melody um, and we're going to put it on oftentimes one or two strings. So usually our highest strings on our instrument. The reason we do that is because your highest strings, your highest notes that you're playing are generally going to be the ones that your ear hears the most readily. Okay. So if we put a melody... on our first string and then we add other notes to it basically we're harmonizing that note as we go okay if the note is on the highest string then your ear most readily hears that note kind first. of identifies that as right. the one that it's supposed to, right. to focus on now the 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 harmonies that we're adding onto it are often notes that exist within the chord um, either the underlying chord, the chord that the band would be playing, um, or sometimes a passing chord moving from one chord to another inversion of that same chord. Um, but they are they're harmony notes that exist within within these chords of oftentimes the diatonic scale. Um, so we call it a chord melody because we've added chords to these melodies as we move up and down the neck, right? Yeah, and the diatonic scale <clears throat> being just the the major scale right. is like the set of notes right. that, you, that you typically have to choose from. And of yeah. course, there are tons of exceptions, but... Of course, that's... yeah. So um, I was listening to your, your, um, your episode on harmonies mm-hmm. and adding harmonies. Right. I'm going to plug your podcast and your podcast. But it's a great episode, um, and that has a lot of sort of the foundation of what we need to do this sort of thing, right? So, okay. um, and you explain it wonderfully. So we're using the notes. And this is G major, it looks like. G yeah. major scale, okay. Um, we're generally picking notes from that scale, okay? So um, the difference between what you did in that episode and what we're going to do here is somewhat slight, um, you're often adding, so for instance, if you had a melody note that was on a G, or you started with I'll Fly Away, I'll Fly Away I think was the song. Yes. Right. Um, you were adding harmony notes on top of or higher than what you were playing um, for the melody. So yes. you were playing... Right, so your melody note was lower than the harmony note that you were adding. Yep. Um, which is a slight difference to what we're doing here because we want the melody to be very forward in what we're playing. So we're adding harmony notes that are below, tonally below the melody notes that we're playing, right? So instead of, for instance, adding a, a, mel- or a harmony that's a third above the melody that we're playing, we are adding a harmony that is... So my, if my melody note is a G and my harmony note is going to be below it. It's going to be a D, mm-hmm. which is what, a fourth below? Yes. And then we're adding another one below it. And we'll get more into how this is specifically constructed. But we're adding two notes basically below, right? So the song that we're going to do is Home on the Range. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, 
So let's start with that then. So let's get, first of all, let's try to get the melody under your fingers. Okay. So let's start, let's try and, to put it all on your And we actually have your... two banjos for this episode. I, I brought mine too to help me, uh, <laughs> to help me figure this out. So hopefully it won't be too confusing. Davey's playing a, a really nice open back. Is that a 12 inch open back too? This is back, a 12, 12 inch pot. Yeah. This yeah. Is, this is it's really cool. And it's a cherry banjo. So it's super, super warm. So you'll probably be able to hear the difference. I got my, my good old trusty bluegrass instrument here, you know, um, and maybe we'll maybe we'll pan them off to one side and another yeah, to, to overload to help overload separate the banjo. It, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's do. And hey, real quick, let me interrupt. So you you were pointing out some of the differences between, for example, what I taught in terms of standard harmonies versus chord melodies. It seems like chord melody approach might lend itself more to. Like solo playing, yeah, yeah, and things or something like that. That's that's that... an awesome point to bring up. Um, chord melody is traditionally either a classical or a jazz guitar sort of method, right? So it's something that's that's used more often for for solo performances, right? So we're we're able to play a melody unaccompanied, but generally accompany ourselves, right? So. Um, while what you're doing with the with that harmony episode might be to find a harmony to play with another instrument or you're sort of arpeggiating the harmony, right? Yeah. Um, we're trying to just play all those harmonies at once at the same time. Yeah, right? accompanying yourself is a really cool way of uh it's a cool right. way of looking at it. Yeah, it's it's almost like we're 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 um, you know we're we're trying to accomplish this um almost like a cappella version this barbershop quartet <laughs> yeah. on a banjo right yeah that's cool. bar- barbershop triplet i guess on a banjo depending on how many notes yeah you can play at once um so that's sort of the idea we're, we're self-accompanying and we're we're playing almost what these vocal lines might be but the melody is going to be out front hopefully and that's what what you want the listener's ear to hear so that's what we're going for all right so first step is uh, what, then? So let's get the melody. Um, yeah, cool. And this is on the uh, tab sheet, I assume, right? Or yes, it... it will be, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'll start, that, I'll start that tab sheet out with just the melody on the first string, right? And, um, and for the purpose of this arrangement, we're going to keep the melody solely on the first string. Okay, great. Um, which makes it nice and simple. And we are in G. We're as, in G, yeah. right. So to the if if anyone's familiar with your G major scale, the uh yeah, you can focus on that. Right. Yeah, and we can go right up the G major scale. On one string we can go down to. And um those are gonna be the only notes that we're gonna play, at least for the simpler version of this song, and I've tabbed out sort of two versions and we'll talk about how each of those works. Yeah, um, cool. In a little bit. So let's let's find that melody first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Let's start with just that for now. Okay, so first we'll try to add just one harmony below, 
Okay, so our first two melody notes are a D. Open first string. Right. Right. So um, it is also, and, and maybe we should do this first, we should talk about the underlying chords or the chords that the band would be playing, right? Because those are going to relatively dictate the notes that we're going to add in terms of the melody, right? Um, so this first version that we're going to learn is a simple one, four, five the whole time. Okay. okay. So it's starting, go ahead and play the melody with me and I'll play the chords and I'll name them out. So one, two, three, one, two, G, back to C, back to G, D. Okay, so we'll start with that. Yeah, okay. okay. So we're starting D, D, G, C, or I'm sorry, A, B. B. Okay. So all of that is over a G chord. Okay. So we're going to try to add G chord tones to that as we go, and we're going to add the notes below it. Okay. So our first note, open, open D on the first string. Right. Okay. So what do you think would be a proper... Uh, note within the G chord to add below that. We're doing one note. We're doing one note for now. Yeah, okay. we're just going to add one note, and then we'll we'll add more as we go. Well, uh, the way I would think about it is that since the banjo is tuned in open G, we know that that's a G chord mm-hmm. with that D note at the top. So right. the next note down from that is the open B string. So right. B so. seems to be a uh, a good candidate. For us. Absolutely. So we'll add those two notes and we'll play those together. Right? And that sounds nice. Yeah. Okay, now our next melody note is going to be a G, a higher G. So we'll just move up and we'll add the third fret of the f- second string. So we'll add a D. Right. So we're just basically moving up the inversions or the or the voicings here. Right. Okay. Yeah, you can think about it as playing your your typical uh, G chord, except you you're just leaving out a couple of right. those lower exactly um, our, notes. Our at least F for now. shape or F F shape G chord, if we yeah. want to call it that. Right. Right. The first one we're using the what we would call the bar shape or the open mm-hmm. tuning of the instrument. Right. So. Okay, now our next note is an, is an A, which isn't in the chord, isn't in a G chord. We're still over a G chord. Right. So this is more of a passing melody note, right? We're headed up to the next note. So we need to find something that tonally works with this, right? Um, so we have a couple options here to try, and this is where we need to figure out what what works best, right? Yeah. Um, now, the the important thing to note here is that at the end of all of this, the determining factor is going to be what sounds best, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we're going to have to try potentially a couple of different harmonies at different points and see what actually sounds good, okay? So we're going to try to add notes um, within the scale and just see how they sound, right? Yeah. it's one way of looking at it. So let's try, first of all, to add the fifth fret of the second string and see how that sounds. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure what I think until I compare it to maybe something else, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm listening. I'd yeah, let's and let's and let's move up to the next melody note to see how just to give it a little more context. So okay. the next melody note is going to be a B up in the ninth fret of the first string. Yeah, right. Exactly. And we can harmonize that as well. That's going to be an easy one to kind of figure out because it's going to be, we're moving up. That's a chord tone. Yep. And we can just move up another inversion, right? Or another voicing. Yeah. So now you're up to that, the higher G shape. I guess we'd call it a D. D shape. A D yeah. shape chord. Right. Uh, played at the eighth. Is that eighth fret? Ninth, ninth fret. fret. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's listen to that again. So we've got... Um, it's a little weird to me. Yeah. I, I'd like to little, try... I'd like to experiment a yeah. little bit with that. To me, that sounds too parallel. It sounds like too much parallel movement. Right. Exactly. The harmony isn't super pleasing in, ter- in terms of this song, at least, right? And we can start to see how these passing notes are a little tougher to figure out what's going to work. Um, the next one I'm going to try is the next note up on the scale, which is an F sharp, which is uh, the seventh fret of the second string. Right. So we're right. still just focusing on reharmonizing or harmonizing that um, that A the note. A note. Yeah. Right, the right. note passing from yeah. A that's G the only one we're changing for up now. to a B. So let's try that one. Go on okay. and Give it a shot. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, that is cooler. And what are our other options even here, right? We could we oh, could just, keep we keep the first finger on the third fret if you want okay. to go for a pretty gnarly stretch here. That's that that's kind of I mean it sounds okay, but it's kind of weird to me, right? To do that. Right. Well, we're gonna we might end up doing that at some point anyways. Anyways, so I think let's go with for now. Yes, I, I agree that um, between those two that we tried, that's definitely the that's definitely the way to go. Okay, so now if you look on the tab, you'll see that I've added. We're we're playing three total notes, right? We're playing a full chord for all of these things. So we have to do this whole process one more time yeah. or one more layer to it. We we definitely can if we want it to sound fuller, right? And this is you know this is a good way to to just play full chord forms. Yeah. Right. So what I've done there is I've added it on the first two notes. I've added a G, the low G, right? So we've got that full G chord, right? And then I'm moving up to my F shape. Right, and then I've added another harmony onto that seven and seven that we've got there, and and I'm either you can either bar on the seventh fret, and we're basically playing a D chord, right? Uh-huh. And this is a, this is ends up being a D passing chord from our F shape G to a right. So hopefully, individually, these are all chords that everyone's already familiar with and it's just a matter of piecing them together for yeah, now yeah yeah and um that's where that's where a little bit of sort of taste and and using your ear is going to come come um 
you know, into consideration, right? So we can, we can definitely move up with different harmonies. Um, and as we add more harmonies, especially, you know, if we add a third harmony down below or a fourth harmony, then we have additional options um, that we can add to it, right? So that, that D passing chord... Okay, so in in the first version of the song that I've tabbed out, which is just a simpler, um, kind of more straightforward in terms of harmonies, we're playing that bar D shape. Yeah. Right? Uh, Now, certainly another option, um, and especially in the key of G, we love to have that D7 chord with a C below where we are, right? Right, so that's on the top three strings, that's five, seven... Seven, right? Yeah, right. So that's a really high quality passing chord um, in the key of G, and it adds a nice little tension that we want to resolve yeah. with the G, right? Yeah, it does. So depending give on, it a little more movement, right? So depending on what you like and what, what your taste is, you can add that sort of different harmony, right? So we have oftentimes multiple options here, and again, the last resort, the thing that you're going to trust the most to figure out what works best is your ear. So Yeah, cool. The Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Deering Banjos, who want you to know that banjo teachers love good times. In a recent survey conducted by Deering, over 200 banjo teachers were asked, how likely is it that you would recommend the good time banjo to your students? An overwhelming 85% responded that they would, with the number one reason being that good times are easy to play. Even Good Time Ambassador and 2019 IBMA Banjo Player of the Year Kristen Scott Benson agrees that you will not find a better banjo than this in the price range of the Deering Good Time. With the Good Time Banjos, Deering understands the importance of starting out with a banjo that will help not hinder your banjo learning experience which is why they make sure that each and every Good Time Banjo leaves looking great, feeling great, and sounding great. For more information and to see exclusive videos from Good Time Ambassadors Kristen Scott Benson and Pete Wernick, head over to DeeringBanjos.com slash TeachersLoveGoodTimes. I catch myself one, and maybe this is an extra, maybe you were going to get to this, so sorry if I'm, again, stealing your thunder, but I catch no. myself wanting to do, rather than chunk chords like that, kind of do a... Totally. A little sweepy... Totally. Pick. Yeah. And I love that. Gives a little more of a stately... This, uh, this is why you're a great student, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> You've got all these amazing ideas. Yeah, now... Um, when it comes to all of this, um, so in in the tab that I've um, that I've sort of made for all of you, um, it's very straightforward in terms of what I've what I've tabbed out and what um, what is literally there to play, right? And it's what I would consider relatively boring. Okay. It's yeah. really blocky. It's all just on a beat, right? And it's, and it's just, we're just chopping, not really chopping, but we're sort of three-finger pinching on all those chords, right? Yeah. Um, and the point you brought up is a really, really important one with all this stuff because it needs, to, it needs to breathe. It needs to have feeling, right? 
So we need to find ways within our personal taste and, you know, within our personal abilities, you know, what we can do with our playing to make this live more and sound better. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect example of what we can do, right? So oftentimes I wouldn't play it like that at all. Okay. I would do something similar to what you do what you're doing right there. Or I might Ooh, what's like that a, one? That's just a that's a kind of a slow rake with my thumb over the strings and I'm playing a, a kind of interesting um, chord form here that uses my first finger back on the fifth fret of the fourth string. And then I'm otherwise playing a D shape, but um, with two, three, and four. Right? So I'm getting, right, I'm getting the root of that G chord down there on the fourth string. Yep. Right? Cool. It's just, an, it's just a different voicing, and it's, it's some somewhat in, more interesting voicing of that, of that G chord. Right? So... We can kind of rake across it with our thumb to get a, you know, something that sounds like that. Yeah. Oops, I played a, I played a fancy chord that we're not going to get into yet. Okay. Um, and we should talk about our chord substitutions sometime soon. But the. Yeah, the important thing to note here is that the the taste is is sort of the your little piece of art that you're going to add to all of this stuff, right? So once you understand how to move through the chord inversions and play the melodies with the harmonies below it, and once you get it in your fingers, then you need to play it, learn how to play it in a way that has feeling and it has some sort of performative value, right? Yeah. Something that people would want to listen to. So right after the part where we left off, which would be... Um, what's the next thing that you... is, is that? So the chord changes here. Chord changes to a C, yeah. So here, there's another, you know, instance of where we have a couple options, things to play there, right? We could play an A minor with our second finger on the third string, which was your first, your first idea. Um, doesn't necessarily work. It might be better as a C, right? Uh, another thing to note is as I'm moving from my G and I play that F sharp note, I'm oftentimes playing that as just a single string instead of. That's actually what I was wanting to get at was right. um, some of these n- melody notes are not harmonized chord melodies yeah. per se and some, some some of them might not work as a as a harmony right mm-hmm. they might they might sound a little too weird um, no matter what we do and sometimes we want to once again according to our taste not always play everything as a harmony right so it doesn't all need to be harmon- harmonized so on that note down that f sharp down from our g okay so we could do yeah. that one a couple ways. We could do just um, from our G, our F shape, G, we could drop the third finger down on the fourth fret to get that note. Right. And we could keep those other fingers there and basically play either a B minor chord or a G major seven, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Like yeah. that, if we want to harmonize it. I don't think it's fully necessary to harmonize that one. 
that right. that sound is a little outside of what I would consider um, kind of worthwhile in this this simple folk tune. I guess we could play it as a D chord, like that. Right. That's second fret, third fret, and fourth fret. Right. Starts to get a little too choppy when we're trying to play all these as as chords all the time, though. Yeah, the D7 is nice. But it's still a little, um, almost sounds like a, it can sound like a toddler banging on a piano if you, if you just are stabbing yeah, these chords. Yeah, it's just all these staccato um, sort of things going yeah. on if you start to try to play everything, you know, yeah. really harmonized. I guess we can slow it down, you know, some, something like that, but, you know. That's an option for sure. Okay. Um, I've I've chosen to just play that single note on the way down. Yeah. Right? And when I go back, yeah. Sometimes it's really nice to alternate between single notes and harmonized notes, right? It adds a nice feel to it. Right. Okay. So it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for taste, even if you, even if we all agree on the exact same notes, there are different ways. For example, what we were just doing, you know, you could keep those notes ringing while you play that, or you could not. Right. Absolutely. There's that opportunity. There's what you just said. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, I guess I guess we sort of have some steps here to follow. Yeah. Maybe we should sort of clarify those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go ahead. So step one, we need to find our melody. Okay. And and if you can put it on your highest string or your your second string, you know, depending on what you what you need to do, what you need to accomplish, just get that melody in your fingers needs to be you see sort of need to know it inside and out right um both the intervals in your head and the intervals that exist on the string right how much you need to be jumping up and down and then we need to think of just the harmony notes right try to find harmony notes that sound good and work with the underlying chords that exist in the song so the underlying chords are going to be something that you'll have to sort of figure out or, or look up or yeah, what are our options there? You know, um, basically just look them up or, or figure them out, I guess. Right. And it might be easier to approach this with a song that you already know would probably make it easier to at least hear if you're playing an incorrect harmony or, right. Right. Um, and, and start with something that's, you know, sort of in your, in your wheelhouse, um, Theory-wise, right? If, you, if this is your first chord melody arrangement and you're trying to arrange something, you're trying to arrange Moon River or something, <laughs> a, lot of those, a lot of those harmonies are going to be outside of what you know, what you can feel, um, and what you can find. Yeah. Um, we have to develop a certain you know, sense of sophistication with harmony um, before we move on to things that are, that are more sophisticated and complicated, right? Yeah. Um, so start with a you know a simple folk tune like this. See if you can figure out the harmonies, um, and go from there. Okay, and then what's our what's our next step then? So we've we've figured out the melody, 
We figured out our harmonies that follow it, harmonies that sound good to us. Yeah. Um, and then we need to, I guess, step three, find a way to play it that sort of appeals to you and you think will appear to uh, appeal to, you know, the listener's ears. Yeah. Something that feels good, something that sounds good. And then just play it a ton. <laughs> right? These things have to be played a lot to the point that they're, you know, within, within your muscle memory and your fingers and you don't have to think about them too hard. You can truly just, just feel them. Right. Okay. So yeah, a good thing to discuss here. Um, so that second version that we have, okay. Um, you'll notice in that second version that we've, that I've basically added a bunch of extra chords into it right Mm -hmm. and a good a good episode another another picky fingers plug here is your episode on passing chords ah right so i've added some what we would consider passing chords and and um in this arrangement right um and i've also added some what we would consider perhaps chord substitutions right okay chords that are replacing your standard sort of one, four, five chords, right? And a common thread that you'll see in those chords and the, the passing chords and the substitutions is that they also contain the melody notes, even though the notes within the chords themselves might be somewhat outside of the key, right? Okay. So a good example of that is that A major chord in measure... In measure thirty-nine of this um, of this arrangement that I've come up with, you can you can see that there is a a chord substitution here. We're going from in measure thirty-eight a G, and then measure thirty-nine an A seven, and then to a D seven, right? And so basically, what we're doing is we're moving from this G eventually to the D seven, and right. we're using an in, sort of an intermediary chord that exists in between the two. Um, and it is a bridge between the two. And you'll notice that that A7 chord both contains the melody note, which is a G. Right. And we move down to an F sharp, back up to a G, up to a D7. But it also contains an A, which is in the key, and a C sharp, which is outside which of the is key. Which not, right. Right, which these sorts of things, we would, we would call this a major two chord. The two chord in the key of G is supposed to be an A minor, but we've stretched it a little bit to make it sound a little bit more dissonant. Yeah. Right? Add a little extra tension, right? Sometimes in the right place, that tension can be really satisfying sounding, right? Okay. This is one of those situations where we're going from a one chord to a major two to a five chord, right? The D7, right? Okay. And that little bit of extra tension is really satisfying to us, right? So this is just a chord substitution to go from that one chord to the five chord, Okay. So we are, let's see, um, Yeah, it definitely sounds really musical. It it doesn't sound out of place. Right. Yeah, and it sounds a little more interesting than what we were doing before. Um, I think it was... 
just something like that. Or maybe it was... Right? And uh-huh. instead of doing it that way, we're doing... Yeah, cool. Right? So it's just a little extra musical bridge. Something to add a little bit of tension in the right spot. And tension is always... Um, tension can go either way. Tension can be horrible sounding or it can be wonderful sounding. Right, as long right. as it's relieved, as long as it's resolved in the right way. Yeah, uh, tastefully done. Exactly. And your your episode on passing chords talks about that in a, in a really perfect way, right? That D7 chord. We hear that chord and we want it to resolve to yeah. that G major chord, right? Yeah. So this this second arrangement is adding tension in certain places. We've got we've got some some chord substitutions, right? A classic one. We're going from a G to a G seven to a C, right? Uh huh. Right. Uh huh. That's our G seven up here on seven, six, and nine. Right. And then there's our C. And then, this is one of my Ooh. favorite in the world. This is a minor four chord, right? So that's a, a C minor chord. And that's a pretty classic, uh, I would say it's a classic kind of folk chord progression. Maybe maybe it exists in bluegrass a little bit too, but a G, G7, C, C minor. Right. It's a really nice movement, right? Uh-huh. So... Yeah, it's it's cool enough to be surprising, but not um, right. jolt you out of sure. enjoying the, the piece of music. Mm-hmm. It's also got a certain mood to it, right? Uh-huh. It's got a it's got this kind of sweet sadness to it that that I think fits this kind of this kind of tune. This yeah, kind of it serves tune it serves it well in I a think. cool way. Um, I've also in the in the chorus I've substituted um, what I think was a. Uh, so in the chorus, I've substituted what was a D. So we've got... I've substituted that D or that D7 with an A minor chord. Yeah, what uh, what measure are you on now? I'm on measure 45... I'm sorry. 40, 50, right? So I'm on measure 50. I'm starting oh, where measure. it starts with that big mm-hmm. 12... Mm-hmm. Bar chord, which could be cool to play as a yeah, okay, as a harmonic. By the way, okay, so we've got a Ooh. yeah, and that little guy is an interesting one as well. That's a diminished chord, yeah. Um, and I think that you actually talked about that specific diminished chord in your passing chord episode as well. It's it's not technically a C sharp diminished chord, but it's more or less one and the same. There's really only three diminished chords, and that's a whole thing. <laughs> right. to, that's a whole thing to talk about. Um, okay, but anyways, we're going instead of G D seven to G for the chorus. We're going G A minor G. So Yeah, right. 
in that one note that we're going down to the B flat instead of an A for a melody note. So we're actually substituting a melody note right there too. Okay. To add a little bit of extra, extra tension. Getting a little okay. extra crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this gives, hopefully this, this gives some listeners some ideas of how to make things a little more, a little more varied from just our plain, you know, straight up diatonic, um, ideas. Right, right. And it sounds like the most important thing is to just keep that melody note strong. And from there, you could take a really straight ahead formula, staying to the diatonic or almost any chord that you think of that has that melody note at the top right. is maybe a candidate for yeah. a cool chord substitution. And it's just a matter of personal taste as to Totally. Which ones to choose. Yeah. Um, so you can, there are a lot of choices and a lot of potential for, for creativity. Yeah. Even, even with a fixed melody. Yeah. I mean, just, just see what you can mess around with, right? Move your, move your fingers around to, to play the different diatonic chords that exist, right? Or, you know, if your, if your ear can hear these things, move them around to, to play different diatonic chords or sorry, non-diatonic chords, right? See if you can get some interesting harmonies in there. Um, there's all sorts of things that you can do to make things just sound a little more interesting, a little more tense yeah, and then resolve it in just the right way. Right. Um, yeah. Any questions? So beyond experimenting with different chords and different harmonies, what other advice do you have maybe to someone who wants to stick to the simpler chords and maybe isn't ready for yeah, for the complicated chords? Is there anything right. else they can do to make it? Because you described it as kind of boring, and I'm just kind of wondering what about it, I don't know, what would you do to make that not as boring? Yeah, so I, I guess if, you're, if your fingers can't hit those, if your left hand can't hit those you know, sort of more complicated harmonies, you can you can kind of rhythmically dress it up, right? If your okay. right hand can do this sort of thing, and, it, and it's not necessarily that technically challenging to, for instance, play um, play it with a little more rubato, right? Which which is a which is an Italian word for for robbed time, right? Which basically means I didn't even know that. That's great. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, so we're basically playing it, um, you know, outside of sort of standard metronome time, right? We're halting in certain places and we're pausing and we're speeding certain parts up or slowing certain parts down as the feeling dictates, right? So Which I you, guess is another part of the beauty of maybe a a solo totally. uh, music form totally. where can, you don't have to worry about not being in sync with your yeah, again, it can, guitar player. Yeah, right? it can breathe, right? Yeah, you okay. can let it breathe. You can play it how you want. So you can change these, you can change the, you know, the rhythm to suit you, um, speed it up and slow it down. You can syncopate it, I guess, in different ways. You could, you could add a little bit of, you know, a rhythmic variation to the melody. Okay. Um, what are, um, yeah, are you able to, let me think. Yeah, we can always, we, we can always shift melody notes just a little bit to get a little bit of syncopation. We can also swing it, right? And, and swing is a nice way to add a little bit of, you know, extra and different feel to what we're doing. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of times, you know, with something like this, I might start with... 
Yeah, make it the true cowboy yeah, cowboy old, ballad that it is, right? The old horse galloping. Yeah, some cactuses. So there's yeah. a little bit of swing in there, and right. it's got some some different feel to it, right? Um, yeah, that adds a lot just from the rump, 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 rump. Exactly. Rump, 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 rump. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, and it, you makes know, a big difference. Has a different sort of breath to it, and different life to it. Um, so you know, always outside of harmonic, you know, variation, we have rhythmic variation, which is a really cool thing that Matt Davis talked about. I thought that was really fascinating um his sort of forays into that it sure was that's stuff that i'll be working on for years yeah right just from the couple of comments that that he made exactly yeah uh going back to rubato i feel like so you just demonstrated maybe a little rubato but mostly like that swing tempo what would be demonstrate a bit of more rubato-ness in an arrangement Speeds up and slows down, right? Or, some of or it maybe there. pauses at the end of the line before right. it yeah. picks back up. Yeah, and let it and just drag it out. Let that let that note sink in you okay. know, to the to the listener's ears, and then move on from it. And, and the rubato is a really a really big thing in a lot of classical music. Sure, right? and classical sure. music has to you know have that sort of emotional ebb and flow. Um, so that's a thing that, that, that you'll hear a lot in, in sort of that tradition of music. And we're, we're working roughly within the same, not maybe not the same tradition, but, and, you know, a similar tradition we're following in that sort of footstep when we're playing stuff like this. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks. I think this gives us quite a few ideas of things to work on. And now we all have to go back through every tune we know and... Learn chord melody versions of everything. (laughs) Just fiddle tunes everywhere. That'll be great. That would be wild. Thanks a lot. And uh, it's it's slightly off of this specific topic, but I see you posting a lot of. It seems like you've been on a big, like Joplin ragtime kick recently. Tell yeah, just I don't know. Talk for a minute about what you what you've been enjoying doing, and maybe plug your. whatever YouTube channels or websites sure, that yeah. people can check out what you're doing with. Cause yeah, it is a little off the beaten path of the bluegrass that, that a lot of us know. Yeah. I, I've, I've, you know, it hasn't even been that, that recent of an obsession. I feel like maybe when we did our original episode, I was, I was really into the, the Joplin thing or at right. least the classic banjo stuff. But, um, I've, I've sort of become obsessed with, with Scott Joplin and, and his, you know, his, compositions and just his incredible just array of work um which which you know spans everything from your standard ragtime tunes that we've all heard a million times you know the entertainer and maple leaf rag and stuff like that too 
um, you know, an opera that he composed later in his life that, oh. that, yeah, I didn't um, know about that. It's insane. It, he's, he, he's composed some incredible, um, pieces of music and, um, you know, almost, almost long flowing classical pieces that, that are just as beautiful as any sort of postmodern composer. Yeah, um, cool. But, it, but it, for a while I've been into just arranging Joplin pieces for, for banjo, you know, just things that don't belong on the instrument. And oftentimes for two banjos. And I, right? yeah, yeah, oftentimes for two banjos. So I'll arrange the left hand um, of the piano um, for one banjo and the right hand for another. Um, so And then when you play them together, it sounds like a wild carnival. <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I post that kind of stuff on my, you know, like on my Instagram, um, which is DW Ban Jones, just a, <laughs> a classic banjo pun yeah. and last name pun. Um, I do have a YouTube channel that I neglect horribly that I need to actually, it's one of those things that I've been telling myself for years, like. It's on the list gonna, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working on the YouTube channel. But of course. Yeah. Um, and my website is just michiganbanjo.com, which is hilarious that I ended up with that. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I sit and sit around Ypsilanti and teach banjo most of the day. So, um, Ypsilanti is a real name of a city. I, Ypsilanti. Just like Kalamazoo. Isn't it crazy? We're, yeah, we're kind of... Starts with a Y. Right. Goes right to a P. Just comes right out of the gate with a YP. YPS. Yeah. YPSI. Yeah, Ypsilanti. It's a, it's a Greek Greek name. But um, so, yeah, I, I have some designs to record a record of, of Joplin, all Joplin tunes. Whoa, that would um, be great. Yeah, and, you know, probably some with a piano player, some with um, just me um, doing two banjos, maybe a couple with other banjo players. I've been playing with Aaron a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been really fun to play classic banjo of tunes course, with him. Of course, he lightly ribs me about wearing picks, which is, <laughs> I guess, it's against the rules. But it's a light ribbing from a midwesterner is about as extreme as it yeah, gets. Exa- exactly. So yeah, yeah, you should be deeply hurt. <laughs> um, but that's that's pretty much it. That's my plugs. Cool. Uh, so check that out thanks for the chord melody info and uh hope to catch up with you again sometime um for my next lesson i'll see you soon all right thanks bye thanks again everyone for joining me for this episode of the picky fingers banjo podcast great big extra special Thanks to Davy Jones for teaching us all about these chord melodies. Really great stuff. Hope you all enjoyed it. I'll be back next time after the new year to, uh, to give you a new lineup of special guests. Got some really great ones. I don't want you to miss any of them, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you're interested in those Eli Gilbert custom lessons for each of the guests that I have, please go sign up at patreon.com slash banjo podcast. Find out all about that. It is well worth it. Believe me. If you need to get a hold of the show, it's picky fingers, banjo podcast at gmail.com. But that does it for me. I hope you all have a great new year's. I can't wait to see you all in 2020 and yeah, that's it till next time.